morning to Steve Vines. How are you? Are, are, are we in pun mode this morning? Oh, good to see you. <laughs> good morning. Well, lots going on, isn't there? Um, if if it, those uh, the listener who's paid careful attention to the news yep. will know that um, the immigration department's finally got round to issuing the figures for immigration last year from the mainland, mm. and that reveals that there were fifty seven thousand three hundred and eighty seven. We like precise numbers here. Um, point point <laughs> six um, immigrants arrived from the mainland in two thousand and sixteen. Mm. This is something above. This works out at 157 people a day. Now, the limit is supposed but, to be <laughs> yeah. 150 a day. Well, I'm not very exercised about that. What I am exercised about is the whole immigration system, which is just bonkers. I mean, first of all, let's look at this scheme. This scheme, which incidentally wasn't negotiated by the SAR, it's a hangover from the colonial days, was intended... <laughs> for reunification of families, i.e. families who are here can bring in family members from across the border. And you can say, well, that's perfectly unobjectionable. Who wouldn't want families to be reunified? But there is a slight, a slight, and there always is a slight problem with this stuff. The slight problem with this stuff is that the Hong Kong authorities don't monitor the scheme, have no say whatsoever. All they get is a list from the mainland authorities of who's coming. So they say, you know, there's 39 Mr. Lambs, 39 Mr. Ng's, 39 Mr. Wong's, etc., etc., and don't let them in. <coughs> now, I know this will shock the listener, but apparently there may be some people on that list who've uh, um, exchanged folded notes to be on that list. How very that, dare you. I, I know, I know, and it's inconceivable. I mean, I know that, generally speaking, there's no corruption on the mainland, so it can't possibly be the case. But, I mean, there is widespread suspicion that, that these lists... Um, are compromised by untowards behaviour. There's widespread s suspicion that the original intention of the scheme, which is, as I say, to reunify families, mm. isn't being kept. So that's one thing. So at the moment, they, they've actually... The mainland has basically said, well, yes, it's 150 a day, but we're, supplying a, few, we're, we're <laughs> supplying a few more and, you know, shut up. <laughs> but, but the whole system here of immigration is completely bonkers. If you're a... Well, not immigration. I mean, just, just, just permission to stay and work here. If you work for a very large American bank, for example, with an enormous human rights or... Oh, sorry, not human rights. Human resources, they call it. <laughs> I didn't know people have suddenly become a human resource. Are you a human resource? I, I'm not. But apparently, these people who've got very good relations with the immigration department, can fast-track a banker coming in here, you know, quicker than you can say, bang me a billion bucks. If you are, for example, working in a care home where you're chronically short of staff mm. and you've got a qualified care worker, say from the Philippines, say from India, I mean, just, just say from anywhere, to get that person in requires, and I know this from the industry that I'm in, in my day job, which is the catering industry, a minimum, minimum of six months to go through the process. Nine months is a more realistic figure. Crazy. The idea what that do small do these companies... Well, the, and then you've got no certainty that, that that person... I mean, for example, we once were stupid enough to try and bring in a chef from India. Don't ask how stupid that was. <laughs> and I began the process, and after three months, I realised the whole process was actually designed to make sure that it didn't happen and mm. it was a waste of space. Plus, leaving a vacancy open for that 
amount of time for a smaller company <coughs> is impossible. So you've got a system here that basically, on the one hand, allows the mainland authorities to determine who comes in under family reunification, where you've got a chronic skill shortage, unless you're a big, big company, preferably a bank, because mm, nobody, nobody in the world loves anybody more than bankers. I mean, some of my best friends, etc., that they can come in, but if you're in a care home, you're in the catering industry, you're in any other part of the entertainment industry, almost impossible. Unless, again, you're a massive, great big company with loads of people working on this who have good connections. The important thing is good connections within the immigration department. I'm not saying they're corrections of dubious nature, but fact is, they have to be good. So you can actually phone up Mr. So-and-so or Miss So-and-so. And well, that's say, the way it's oh, done, to be yeah, honest. that's the way it's done. And they say, look, I've got this application. Uh, could we uh, put that on the fast track? They go, my dear fellow, certainly you're, 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 uh, you're an investment bank. No people are more vital, vital to the um, interests of the SAR. So vital workers with specialist skills can't come in. People, I, I've heard from other people about the chef thing and the F&B thing. I mean, from almost, top chefs, they've said, forget impossible. about forget it. Forget about it. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you've got that. Now, on the other hand, you've got immense labour shortages in industries here. Mm. And they're going to get bigger. So the the as the population ages, there's going to be a need for more carers. So the reaction of the government is, oh, well, let's let's improve the slave system rather than the importation of labour system. And the slave system, of course, is the domestic helper system. Mm. Now, a lot of elderly people require more than someone who happens to be able to clean a house and cook a meal. Sure. They actually, some require psychiatric care, some require... Now, there are lots of people in overseas jurisdictions who would love to do this. But they are understandably reluctant to come in under a scheme that designates them as domestic helpers, mm. restricts them to one employer, forces them to live on the premises of that employer, and all the other restrictions that go with coming in as a domestic helper. So again, that system is just not right. Someone needs to step back and say, what actually are the needs of Hong Kong? How can we fill these needs? Now, I know that's a silly way of going about things. And there is also another consideration, this one I don't laugh at, which is that a lot of union people here are very worried that, you know, if you really open the gates to the importation of labour, that will force wages down here. It's a very reasonable concern. I don't, I don't knock that. But the answer to that is not to have a blanket opposition to the importation of labour, but to make sure that through regulation, wage levels, particularly minimum wage levels are not threatened and to use the negotiating leverage that they would have before the scheme was opened up to encourage enhanced training of the hong kong workforce well, there's this enormous gap between unskilled people in hong kong and trained people and it, it's ludicrous what do you reckon is the real down the line reason for all these walls bureaucracy yeah but the people who sign off on this bureaucracy they too have families and family needs etc etc but they're catered for that's the whole point i mean as ever if you've got money and and you're well positioned you're, you're in clover they're not really worried about you know mrs wong in wong tai sin who 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 could just about by scraping and scratching with all of her sons and and daughters yeah, yeah. contributing <clears throat> possibly hire a, a domestic helper, you know, to, to keep her on the road. I mean, that's that's the truth of the matter, is the people at the top of the system, they say, oh, it's working perfectly well. 
we've got you know we've got two domestic helpers they're, they're very good and young ones it's been with us for, for for 32 years she's she's terribly loyal you know you know i mean really the system is devised by people what about who, this who don't have a problem what about this thing with the philippine <coughs> government putting the lid on sending people here yeah. i can't help thinking there's more to that yeah well that's to do with some problem i mean this is the philippine government they've got some problem elsewhere so they say tell you what it's not it You're doesn't not relate doesn't relate to hong kong tell you what we'll 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 hong kong there's a lot of people going there let's 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 have a go there. so that's totally different that's, is it? that's definitely different totally stupid and it was only for a couple of weeks and you know all it does is causes inconvenience aggravation to no end mm. i mean the idea that the philippines has cleared up cleaned up its labor migration department well boy um anybody with a strong sense of humor will certainly believe that is the case this this whole thing about the immigration department i mean you obviously look at the news in more detail than i do i mean over my head yeah i mean I, people i i still think that people don't realize that this scheme exists and it involves you know you know 50,000 odd people per year it's it's a big scheme that's not a small number well, you, of people you, you think oh, 157 per day yeah but there's lots of days there's lots of days last year there were 365 Indeed. i believe that might be possible this year as well i heard that on the news you heard that on the news did you there you but go. that is be true. humongous if you yeah, think about it yeah it is and the idea that the receiving entity, i.e. the Hong Kong SAR, has no say in who's coming in. I mean, that is just bonkers. I, I mean, the Brits agreed it. And, of course, when there was the change of sovereignty, among the many other terrible legacies, um, the, the new regime said, oh, we like that one. Hong Kong has no say. We like the sound of that. We'll carry on with that one. Well, this takes us quite nicely <coughs> on to Call Me Paddy. Call me Paddy, yes, who's been in town. We're talking about Paddy Ashdown. Yeah. I mean, sort of saying that the, Brit the Brits should, should really should do more. And I'm thinking this morning, I, I think they've got other fish to fry right well, now. He boy, did, oh, to, boy. To be fair, I, I did talk to him while he was here. He did say Brit Britain is so obsessed with Brexit, it's very hard to, to get anybody in authority to, to focus on anything else. But, I mean, he, he's joined this organisation in London called Hong Kong Watch whose objective <coughs> excuse me is whose objective is to raise hong kong issues and he's saying you know hong kong does have a, a residual right <coughs> it's this room i'll fix you some water you keep talking or coughing thank you <laughs> uh, it does have res residual responsibilities and they ain't being carried out so I think at the end of the day, what he's saying is just a bit of attention would, would be a good thing. <coughs> and I'm sorry, I'm really coughing and spluttering. Don't worry, Steve, we can have a little rest. We'll come back in just a while. Hold on, there's nothing wrong with this room, Steve. I hope you feel better. I mean, there's only the one rotting hamster carcass in our air conditioning duct that's connected directly to an OB van. But apart from well, that... there's that, yes. And there's the... Oh, my goodness, yes, there's the 58 years of dust, which, um... It's great! It's, it's fine, it's, I mean, you know... It's only, our dust. Only a pedant would complain no, about it. Oh, come on. So, but it's, it's lovely, it, 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 it is government dust, so it's, You're it's, right. it's, it's, it's better than other dust, we, yes. I didn't, I didn't want to leave it hanging in the lurch. Yes. Um, we have got a couple of minutes before the news. Basically, uh, Paddy Ashdown was here saying things that everybody wanted to hear, but really, I mean, it's nice to hear it, however... I mean, Paddy Ashdown, to be fair, who, who is, who I should just point out for people who don't know, was the former leader of the Liberal Democrats, um, is, is still quite a, 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 is a member of the House of Lords, so he's still a legislator. Sure. I mean, he's still quite a formidable player 
in British politics, and he has been interested in Hong Kong affairs mm. for many years. In fact, he served here with the British forces oh, during the 1960s, when, when apparently there was a bit of trouble on the streets that school children oh, really? aren't going to be Didn't told look. about, because it's not going to be in the books, because yeah. it's apparently either trivial or controversial. On this day in 1967, nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened, yes. <laughs> But, I mean, he um, is lending his weight, along with people like the former Foreign Secretary, Malcolm Rifkin. I mean, you know, they're they're quite big players. The point is, um, as we were saying before I managed to splutter all over the microphone, that, that, you know, in Britain at the moment, there's navel-gazing of an enormous degree. The idea that, that anybody in the Foreign Office or, in fact, anybody else in the in the government machine, is going to take a substantial amount of time off and say, I'll tell you what, let's focus on what's happening in Hong Kong. Mm. Meanwhile, of course, China says, well, it's none of your business. We don't want to hear from you. Shut up. Mm. So, you know... Do you think they would, though, even if Brexit wasn't on the table? Not is it much. just that, you know... Not much. It's a bit of an excuse. Ooh, is that the time? I, I, I think, <laughs> you know... I mean, the fact is that Britain does have residual obligations under the... Um, the treaty, the, the joint declaration signed in 1984, and the residual obligations include writing a report on um, implementation of the joint declaration every mm. every six months, and each report is an exercise in anodinity. Is there such a word? Anodinity. We will be back after the news if you want to get in touch, Morning Brew at rthk.hk. I'm going to throw a few words at you and you just take it from there. Go on. The time traveller, for so it will be convenient to speak of him, Dot, dot, dot. Ah, we're not talking about Ledgeco again, are we? Yeah, he's discovered the secret to he's, time travel. He's, he's, <laughs> so here we go. Here we go. Yeah, it's so, diff- yeah okay. Yeah. Right. So um, let's just paint the paint the background. At the moment, um, because six legislators have been disqualified, the pro government camp can do more or less what they like in Ledgeco. So they are trying to change the rules of it, but they're also trying to make sure that the six legislators who've been expelled can never come back because they're going to be bankrupted. And, you know, you, you can say, well, go for it, boys. I mean, you know, you can do anything you want. Well, actually, actually you can't. And they're now discovering that their cunning plan to get these legislators... To In pay, the stocks, more or less, yeah, isn't it? To, to get them to pay back their, their salaries, to pay back the salaries of their assistants, to pay back the expenses of their offices, mm. um, is, of course, design with only one purpose in mind because they know perfectly well that these people don't have the millions of dollars that they're asking for Mm. to bankrupt them once they're bankrupt they won't be able to stand for LegCo so far so good the only problem is despite the president of of LegCo Andrew Lerne who diminishes by the day as a figure even though he's a big chap but really you know Andrew boy if you're going to go on television and even on the radio and say oh I've had solid legal advice that this is all good it doesn't seem to have come from lawyers, because I've been around talking to a few lawyers, and they said, well, the reason they're now backtracking on this is because they realise that, you know, however frisky they are and however many votes they have in LegCo to push this through, and they could push through, you know, landing a man on the moon at the moment if they really wanted to, this would never, never stand up in court. I mean, the idea that you restrict, you, you retroactively decide that someone whose employment you have accepted and whose services you have made um ma- made use of are suddenly not employed is almost impossible so that goes down to a lot of the decisions <coughs> they, they were part of and votes and stuff well, like this the, no the on the flu. other hand no on the other hand i mean this is the, the the ludicrous thing is they've said oh well if they've participated in vote that's all right 
Well, hang on. No. They're not employed. They're not members <laughs> of the legislature. According to you, not according to anybody else. But all of those votes that were held. So they have now in their enthusiasm to go down. And this is the old Singapore route. The old Singapore route is what you do is anybody stands up and opposes the government, you bankrupt them. And then you say, my God, Mr. So-and-so has been bankrupted. Well, we can't possibly have him serving. Now, it works in Singapore because they control all the rules and they control the courts. Mm. In Hong Kong, thank goodness, at the moment, that doesn't quite apply. So they, they, they like the idea of it. They've seen the example and they thought, well, we'll have some of that here because it's, it's great. It means we don't have any opposition. But it just doesn't work here. First of all, the opposition's bigger here. Second of all, as I say, the courts are not um, suborned in the way that they are in Singapore. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there is still... They do still, if there is judicial appeals against these things, they do still have to prove the case. And how are they going to prove the case? They really want their cake and eat it. They say, all the legislation that was passed with these people in the chamber who, according to them, shouldn't have been in the chamber and retrospectively weren't in the chamber, Except is OK. <laughs> all of that's OK, but, you know, they've got to pay back all the money they earned. I mean, the whole thing is bonkers. But it does show you the kind of frenetic attitude there is now by the ruling authorities towards the existence, towards the existence of opposition in Hong Kong. You know, before it was sort of, well, you know, let them, let them shout, we're not going to do anything. Now it's don't let them shout, and we're still not going to do anything. I mean, it is a very dangerous state of affairs. Well, the logic that's going around at the moment <coughs> is, OK, go after all the cash, but then undo everything, including decisions, votes, Well, that would be the logic of it, but they're actually, purge they, them, they, forget they're about actually it. saying they don't want to do that. They just want the money. And they only want the money so they can bankrupt the people. And the money is because they're not legislators, except they, yes. I mean, except they, they were. were. And they were accepted they... by the very Andrew Learn, who, 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 who is now saying, oh, I've taken legal advice. I think the legal advice he took was from that bloke who stands outside the door, who once read a book. Yeah, well, let's see. So you, you, you're saying here and now that this could be a hiding to nowhere. And as well, you said, I think they've overplayed their hand. I mean, they're so, you see, they're so, they're, they're so sort of, it's that danger of oxygen and, and, and people floating. So they, they've sort of... They've got so much oxygen floating around in their bodies because they can vote on anything now in LegCo. And it is, a, it is a great recipe for winning votes in LegCo. Is you kick out people who are going to vote against you, and then you've got a majority. All right, then, another thing, not related, but no. another example possibly of a bridge too far is... <laughs> We hate Uber, they're crooks. Can we have an Uber-esque service yeah, instead? Yeah, <laughs> so here you have the Consumer Council saying there's a problem with our taxi system. I don't think anybody seriously disagrees with that. On the other hand, those Ubery people, they seem pretty unpleasant and they're quite smelly. I mean, personally, not, 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 not the cars. They're quite nice cars, I guess. Um, and there's all these... Apparently, there's some sort of technology around where you can use the interweb to hire higher vehicles. I don't know whether you've ever heard of that. Apparently there is. No. Nope. Well, the Consumer Council Never most days. Never, yeah. <laughs> so, and they're going, you know, surely we should do, do... No, no. This is the kind of usual bonkers thinking that affects people who sit in organisations like the Consumer Council. The fact of the matter is, you've got an enormous taxi system in Hong Kong. That's the thing that's broke. Because practically no taxi driver in Hong Kong can afford to own their own taxi. They can only afford to drive it. And guess what? 
They don't keep them in spotless, tip-top condition. They're not their vehicles. They've got no incentive to. Anyway, they're working these ludicrous shifts, you know, 10, 12, 14 hours a day. A lot of them are quite elderly. And, you know, gosh, some of them are grumpy. And thereby, yeah, and thereby hangs another tale. So why not look at the current licensing system? I mean, before you get on to all sorts of yeah, fancy yeah, yeah, yeah. things with, 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 you know, Uber, and then it's not just Uber, there are other um, electronic forms of Well, like the hiring. toll booth at the tunnel that's uh, kryptonite to these guys. Yes. And that's another reason why people go to the other companies, because they don't moan at you about yes. going over to Hong yes. Kong side. Yes. I mean, so what you might say is... Isn't there a problem with our taxi system hmm. where the licences are, are mainly held by a small group of people who really don't give a monkey's what's it for the service they provide because all they do is basically hire out the vehicle 24 hours a day yeah. until they die. And those cars must be putting on mileage like nobody's business. Oh, no kidding. Um, instead of saying... There's something wrong with our licensing system. Let's fix that first. I mean, they're already talking about a premium taxi service, which is probably quite a good idea. Um, but what does it mean? But what, exactly. But what, what does, does it mean? Practically and speaking, does it mean? also mean the same rotten system where the people who are driving the vehicles are deprived of the incentive to have a nice vehicle? And one of the reasons why people like Uber is that the people who are driving those cars own those cars. They have a very strong interest in making sure that they're a decent vehicle. But it's not because... There's no they... reason why you can't do that under the existing... Um, well, not under the existing taxi regime, but just change the regime for your regular taxis and make it possible for people who drive them to own them. I, ha I hazard a guess that <coughs> premium taxi service just means fast-flash motors. Well, you know... Um, yeah, but if they're fast-flash motors, the yet again, not owned by the drivers, they're going to go the same route as the existing ones. The whole purpose of reforming the system is to give the people driving the vehicles a big incentive to, you know, really... Um, a big incentive to actually, you know, get with the programme. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, anyway, I mean, I'm wondering if this one, this one might sort of amount to anything. I saw some diagrams about... Um, no what's diagrams. It? Oh, that's all right, then. Diagrams are good. No, protective this, and there's a, bunch, there's a circle with a load of taxi drivers in it, and inclusive this and inclusive that. But I think my question to you is, did the government overstep the mark by, uh, you know, seriously alienating Uber um, those months back? I think it, it, it just shows that they, they um, one department is saying come on in, the other department is saying get out the back door. It ain't it ain't the right way to run things. All right, we're gonna we're gonna knock it off here, Steve. Away to the infirmary with you. We'll talk next week, Steve Vines. <laughs>